Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. One that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation. Washington, London, Paris, Moscow are key targets. The whole world is under attack. Who built it? The Russians? The Chinese? Martians? Canadians? I don't care! All I know is we didn't build it, and that's reason enough to assume the worst and blow up the kingdom come. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside, where no one can see it. Soldiers and their weapons would be powerless before the onslaught of the beast. The beast. The beast. The beast from 20,000 fathoms. Guns, tanks, bombs. They're like toys against them. It's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. The nation and then the world could fall before the blood-curdling threat of... Sci-Fi Double Feature Drive-In Podcast. Godzillas and Mothras, aliens and those predators. <laughs> Welcome to this sci-fi double feature drive-in podcast. Yay! I am your conspiracy-loving host, Alisa Wegland, and sitting next to me is my radioactive partner in grime, Jarrett the Kaiji Man Wegland. Hey, we're back. Hey, we're back. We're back <laughs> from vacation. Yeah, we're not doing the movie We're Back. That's a, a cartoon dinosaur movie. We're just back from oh, <laughs> You know what? That is a very delightful cartoon. Yeah, and it's technically movie. science fiction. But we're not doing that movie. We're doing what? We're, we begin our... We begin our double feature of <laughs> summer blockbusters with one of the most quotable alien action movies. It's Independence Day! Yay! I love it. Oh, Independence Day, how I love you. So many quotes. There's so many quotes! Um, I fly, I pilot. I fly, I'm pilot. Uh, oh, what the hell is that smell? Uh, <laughs> you read my mind. We gotta get as far away from these things as we can. I, I love Randy Quaid, even Randy though he, Quaid. he's kind of kooky. This was his last hurrah. I think so. Maybe. Well, I like Vegas Vacation. Oh, yeah. That was uh, a little bit after this. Um, um. Oh, welcome to Earth. Of course, welcome. Welcome to Earth. To Earth. And then the the lesser known uh, checkmate. Checkmate's checkmate. nice. Um, That's a gold bloom. We go up. We go down. We go back. We go forward. We go back. We go side <laughs> to side. I, I like his Jewish father. He's like, oh. Um. Must go faster. Must go faster. Jeff yeah. says it again in this yeah. movie. That's a that's a return uh, line from, from Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. <laughs> I wonder if they they're just like yeah, just say the line. They don't have a copyright on just the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a very you, good movie. You could quote this movie all day. <laughs> yeah, even the the lesser known quotes are fun. Oh yeah. He's just written on quotes. Oh oh. <laughs> What is it that Randy Quaid says before he flies in the, into the alien ship? Um, hey, brothers! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, boys! I'm back! Oh, beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, hey there, you alien assholes! I yeah. like that part, too. Alien assholes. That's a good one. What a good, what a good gotcha! Yeah, gotcha, and... Uh, up yours. <laughs> up in, yours. In the aliens. words of my generation, up yours. <laughs> it's 
So the history behind this wonderful motion picture. Yeah. This is the summer blockbuster. It's a big one. It was a big one, folks. Big one. The production became rushed, especially during the tail end of the pre-production and the writing process. Mm -hmm. The reason for this was because a film called Mars Attack. Yeah, they heard it through the grapevine about the about about Mars Attacks. Tim Burton doing Mars Attacks. It was based on a uh, card, a trading card. Oh. Um, and then of course they did some comic books, but. Yeah, I love Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks is great. Completely different movie. Yeah, when Mars Attacks came out, I thought that I thought they were making fun of Independence Day. I thought they heard. Oh, really? I thought. Well, of course they're making fun of '50s sci-fi movies and spoofing those. But I thought that since it came out after Independence Day, I thought they were making fun of Independence Day a little bit. But that's just <laughs> the the mind of a ten-year-old boy, I guess. Being like, like family. Guy. They come out afterwards, so it must be making fun of them, right? But so they they jumped the gun. They didn't want to lose out on that initial blockbuster yeah. hit. Yeah. They were like, no, no, can't have two alien movies at the nope. same time. Can't do it. We got to do it first. Yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to be first if you if you can. Yeah, so the two two films couldn't be more different in tone. Yeah. But having two alien invasion movies come out within weeks of each other wouldn't be good for sales. So Emmerich and 20th Century Fox did the one thing they could do, and they got it out first. Yep, you gotta, you gotta get it out there, Emmerich. <laughs> they wrote the script in about three weeks while on vacation. Oh, nifty. I wouldn't call that vacation. Uh, unless they... they... <laughs> They wrote it in one week, and they took two weeks of vacation. <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah. Sold it in the day after they finished. Oh, sorry. Sold <laughs> it the day after they finished it, and yeah. completed principal filming in just 72 days. Yeah, less than three months. Yeah, they, that was a shotgun wedding movie. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't really show to me. I mean, that's a big old movie. Yeah, I mean... Big old cast. It doesn't look like it was rushed. Decent script. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of improv that definitely saves it, with, that kind of gives it that natural dialogue feel. And it doesn't skimp out too much with some like cheap-ass CGI. Like, There's a lot of like well-built looking practical props. Oh, so, yeah. It doesn't look to me like this is a three-month movie. This is still the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius. No. What? Right. It's, it's a 60s song. <laughs> Never mind. It's too old Too old for even me. Um, <laughs> some of our baby boomer listeners will get that joke. Um, no, this is the dawning of the age of CGI. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you got your Jurassic Park out, that set kind of the standard. And then this is another big step for that. But they're still using a lot of practical effects. And it's really it's really the pinnacle of using practical effects and CGI together. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it looks real good in mm -hmm. this movie, I think. 
So the United States military was <laughs> pledging their full support and full use of their resources and bases mm-hmm. until the word of the Area 51 subplot in the script got back to the military officials. Yeah. <gasps> and I think that's a that should be something that the underground, driving underground, uh, investigates. Yeah. <laughs> At least in a chair at underground, investigate this. Because this seems like a real big conspiracy. Yeah. Why, what the heck? Maybe. Why uh, wouldn't you? Why would you be so upset that did, they're talking about Area 51 military? Did Roland Emmerich maybe push a few buttons? You didn't yeah. like? Did he uh, see through some doors that, that maybe were open, you left open? Huh? <laughs> Did you have to wipe his brain? Huh? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the fo- till another time, folks. Till another We hope you guys day. tune into our underground episodes. Because <laughs> uh, we got more than just movies. More than meets the eye, as the Transformers say. Yeah, as those Transformers <laughs> say. <laughs> So there's a lot of influences from the War of the Worlds by the the late the great H.G. Wellians. Wells. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, another great alien invasion story that set set the standard really for alien invasion stories. And uh, let's go through those influences. I was trying to yeah. say, trying to set this, trying to set the. Uh, Set the scene with Elisa. I was trying to set it early on in the movie, and she was kind of like, "No, nah, not really." And then, I didn't. I didn't really think. There's a few things I actually did catch that are mentioned here. Yeah. But I didn't think like it was influenced at all. I, I thought like, that chariot was full of it. Yeah, I was like, "This is." There's some things in here that are kind of wore the world's in. Yeah, but now reading this list, I agree. I keep adding Ian at the end of things. Zian. <laughs> so the attempts to communicate are things that are similar. Yeah. The priest in War of the Worlds and the helicopters in Independence Day. Yeah, the priest is like, we just need to talk to him. It's just a misunderstanding. We got to talk to him. And then, of course, they send the helicopters up with the, the lights of, like, lights, the universal language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do not get that. Everybody loves. they think lights. <laughs> Everybody loves Electric Daisy <laughs> Carnival. Uh. <laughs> Like, do they think if they flash back, it means, like, what, <laughs> I don't think they were thinking. Uh, maybe they just watched um, Close Encounters too much with the, doo, 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 with the big uh, lights. <laughs> you know, probably. They were like, this is how it works. Steven Spielberg is the best. <laughs> they should have just sent a DVD up of Close Encounters. And- <laughs> Watch this, learn how to communicate. <laughs> So the funny thing about the whole welcome wagon, welcome wagon, welcome welcome wagon scene is the helicopters um, for that scene with the huge band of bright lights was actually mistaken for a UFO. Yeah, when they filmed, when they were filming. Yeah, over California, goofy Californians. Oh, we're a bunch of idiots. No. (laughs) But now that we, even though we have SpaceX here and all these, we have. Uh, Pacific Technical Institute or whatever it's called. I think that's actually what it's called in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever it is, um, our equivalent to MIT. We see we see rockets launching all the time over here, and we, we're still like, is that a UFO? <laughs> like, come on, guys. We love. <laughs> 
So the shields over the top of the ships, they were also very similar. Yeah. In both of the movies. Toof, toof. The, and then also, where wasn't it more of a blue-like mm-hmm. glow? Yeah, it was like a blue-like glow. But I mean, in War of the Worlds, it was kind of more like a dome that went to the ground. But still, I think they're pretty similar. They are indeed similar. And Will Smith's character's squadron takes off from El Toro in California. And this is also the airfield where the bombers take off in War of the Worlds. Yeah. I noticed that. (laughs) I did not. But I don't know what airfields are which. (laughs) I just noticed that. So both species of aliens move from planet to planet and they take resources, which is something that I did notice. Yeah, I mean, that's probably common among other sci-fi stories, but I just thought I'd throw that one in there. Yes. The BBC produced a radio play for Independence Day similar to the famous War of the Worlds play produced by Orson Welles. Welles' play produced mass hysteria across America. The BBC play was obviously a play featuring high production value and even music composed for the movie. All right, and I'm going to play a little clip of that for you right now. <laughs> You're serious? This is how they started it? Yeah. We're playing a movie! It's from 20th Century Fox. This isn't very Orson Welles. Well, it's not. It's. But it's supposed to be from the perspective. Yeah. It's it's a series of radio broadcasts, just like the War of the Worlds ones, from the perspective of Great Britain during the Independence Day movie. Yeah. Astronomer Patrick Moore is here with me. We have established the source is in fact the moon, right, Patrick? Wrong, I'm afraid. It's moon. What are you talking about? The message has been getting stronger and stronger. Now we've been able to triangulate it, locate its point of origin. We can say, without question, that its source is moving at some considerable speed toward us. Right, we've got Professor Dmitry Belov on the line from the Gagarin Radio Telescope Facility in the Ural Mountains, leading Russian astronomer. And an old friend. Hello, Dmitry. Patrick, good to hear you. Still playing the xylophone? <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Cheeky. So cheeky. So, yeah, that's the beginning yeah. when uh, the... Saucers are first coming in America. We're like, oh, it's on the other side of the moon. Yeah, and it just it just goes on and on to like from the radio, and then I've skipped a, a little bit ahead, and then it goes to like you hear the radios of fighter pilots. You get to hear like the fighter pilots. See, it has the music from the movie. Yeah. 
See, the music totally pulls you out of it because there's not music in yeah, real that, life. That's what, I mean, at the beginning it sounds like a pretty realistic radio broadcast, but then when they start putting the mu- the music from the movie, then it kind of pulls you out. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think it's kind of cool to hear that now. I mean, I never knew this existed till today. Yeah, that's the, cool. This little bit of, uh, I guess, side story. Of <laughs> canon, it is definitely canon. It was produced <laughs> by 20th Century Fox. It was ble- giving its given its blessing by uh, Roland Emmerich, so it's part of the canon, and it's on YouTube. If you want to check it out, if you want to hear more of the mythos <laughs> canon. behind Independence yeah. Day, so check that out if you want to. So another parallel is in War of the Worlds, the invasion is stopped with a biological infection, or as they clearly say, a cold. Yeah. And in Independence Day, it is stopped with a technological virus, which they clearly call a cold. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is the biggest. That's the very clear. That is that is very clear because Jeff Goldblum even goes a cold. You're a and, genius. Yeah. So get off the floor. You're gonna catch a cold, David. David. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's the most obvious. So you want to discuss the plot a little bit? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I think the plot is pretty pretty known at this point. It's an alien invasion. They can't really take the take them down until they take the shields down with the alien virus that you just described. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum is very smart. Nobody, his ex-wife don't want to listen. Yeah, he's under, he's underemployed. He's just under like many employed. millennials. Yeah. And uh, he finally gets his chance to prove himself and he takes down the mothership and the corresponding ships below. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith is Mogul Big Ol' Stogie together. Yeah, should have been a bull. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, this movie is by far one of my favorite um, sci-fi action movies. Oh, and yeah. sci-fi action is one of my favorite genres. Mm-hmm. Because it's like Predator, Terminator, Independence mm-hmm. Day, like all of those really goofy, like 90s, 80s, shoot 'em up. There's aliens and robots. Ah! Like, I love those types of movies. And mm-hmm. this is definitely on the top. The cream, the cream of the crop. It's one of the gems without getting too crazy with the CGI. Oh, and yeah. The special effects aren't, like, outlandish. Letting the budget get to it without ki- with uh, without killing the, the script and the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, letting the money just speak for it. You know, it actually has a purpose, you know. Yeah, I, I love the characters. I love the story. It's great. Great, great, great. So, moving to production. The famous president's speech was filmed on August 6, 1995. The old airplane hangar that it was filmed in front of, it housed the famous or infamous Enola Gay, which yeah. dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Yeah, and this was actually 50 year this was the 50 year anniversary of that day, which is so, kind of weird. That's kind <laughs> of I don't know if they planned that. It doesn't seem like they would plan it like that, but it just 
so happens that it did that. Seems a little disrespectful. No, I don't think so. You think it, this is out of respect? Roland Emmerich is, is a pretty well-known environmentalist. I don't think he would do that. <laughs> so in a very 90s moment, production was delayed when good old milk stink himself, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, <laughs> called in a threat to LAX and flights were delayed. You smell like milk. Ted, get out of here. Get out of here, Ted. Sorry, Ted. We gotta make this alien movie. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, so, apparently, a Matthew Broderick was supposed to have Jeff Goldblum's spot in this movie. Yeah, I could totally see him playing this th- that role. Not saying I would want him to, because Jeff Goldblum is... Forever number one in my heart. Oh, yeah. But I can see Matthew Broderick could have played this role. Yeah, not to say that they're interchangeable, but he could take on, put his own spin on this specific role. Oh, yeah. And uh, that leads us to the question, would you want to see Jeff Goldblum in Godzilla? Because that's why he put Matthew Broderick in, in his next film, which was Godzilla. Yeah. So would you want to see Jeff Goldblum in Godzilla? <laughs> I mean, it might have improved it, but <laughs> yeah. then also Godzilla, that awful Godzilla movie would ruin Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't, I never really disliked Matthew Broderick and I don't think it was bad. Godzilla was bad because of Matthew Broderick. So I don't know if he could have saved Godzilla, <laughs> if Jeff true. Goldblum could have saved Godzilla. That'd be the only reason I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. To, to get a complete Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum fix. <laughs> so, also, while in the wreckage of El Toro, little Dylan can be seen playing with the Mecha King Ghidorah. Which, oh, yeah. that is a sign that Emmerich is about to ruin Godzilla. Wink, oh, wink, yeah. wink, wink, wink. I thought about that. Because I, I have that toy. I still have that Mecha King Ghidorah on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I saw that. And I was like, hmm. And then he did Godzilla. And I was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Jarrett's thought pattern as a child. <laughs> My thought pattern is very ero- erotic. <laughs> erotic. <laughs> erratic. <laughs> It's erotic and erratic. So much of Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith's dialogue was improvised, even more so for Goldblum, which yeah. I do not doubt. He probably, they give him like, <sighs> this is generally what you're supposed to say, and then he just him and haws around <laughs> that. <laughs> They're like, okay, so you're supposed to tell him to go to the store. Hmm, so, yes, uh, can you just, just real quick, just go, mm, yeah. What kind of it's cheese do you usually buy at the store? <laughs> I kind of like a brie, but maybe a little Havarti cheese is nice. And... Just <laughs> hymns and haws. Oh, what a delight. What, an, what a treasure. Can you imagine there are people that get annoyed by that man? They can fuck themselves. I know, right? <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is like the number one national treasure. There is, specialist sweetheart. There is a scorpion that should be shoved up your booty. 
right. It's <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum should wear the Queen's crown. Oh yeah. And you know the Queen of England, she should like not give him her powers, but just usurp the crown <laughs> to Jeff Goldblum. The Queen should uh, put out Jeff Goldblum's new toothbrush every day. <laughs> That's how important she is compared to Jeff Goldblum. Well, okay, this ain't a comment on royalty here. Yeah, it is. This is a comment on how important Jeff Goldblum is. Every day I live is a comment on royalty. <laughs> Jared, you're American. <laughs> Aye, but I'm 68% British. Okay. <laughs> they killed my third cousin, Diana. Um, uh, so, <laughs> as we mentioned before, special effects. This movie employed... A lot of practical effects with its new new dawn of CGI. The film employs over 3,000 visual effects shots. At the time, the highest number ever featured in a film. And that's insane. Yeah, that's super insane. Many of these featured miniatures and even water tank techniques to get those slow, slow... clouds going across the sky when those ships are coming into the atmosphere. That is a really cool effect. Yeah. I was very impressed by that effect. I really like that effect, too. And uh, the attacker hangar, you know, the um, the ship they have in Area 51, that's the attacker mm-hmm. hangar. That attacker was 65 feet wide, and it took four months to build. That's crazy. So Emmerich wanted to stick to using on-set, in-camera special effects more often than using computer-generated effects in an effort to save money and get more authentic pyrotechnic results. Many of these shots were accomplished at Hughes Aircraft in Culver City, California, where the film's art department, motion control photography teams, pyrotechnics team, and model shop were headquartered. Which must have been the coolest set Ever. Oh, yeah. The coolest place ever to work. I want to do it. Doing the pyrotechnics, all of the effects. I want to touch All it. the practical stuff. <laughs> By the way, this was the same hangar where Howard Hughes once built his spruce goose. His spruce goose. Get in the spruce goose. The largest plane in the world. Gonna go across the world in the spruce goose. It's my spruce goose. <laughs> Spruce moose. (laughs) The production's model making department built more than twice as many miniatures for the production than they had ever built for any film before. They created miniatures for buildings, city streets, aircraft, landmarks, and monuments. That's so cool. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. The crew also built miniatures for several of the spaceships featured in the film, including a 30-foot destroyer model and a version of the mothership spanning 12 feet. Oh, jeez. I just want to own all the miniatures from this movie. I know. I, was, I just want to see it in person. That would be so... A 12-foot mothership miniature. That's amazing. 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 <laughs> The White House, which exploded, was built at one-twelfth scale just to be blown up. Yes. The explosion was filmed with nine cameras at various speeds, one of which was 12 times faster than normal, then played back at normal speed to make the explosion seem larger and slower on film. (laughs) Similar to how they make the explosions in kaiju films look bigger. 
This scene appeared prominently in most teasers, trailers, and TV spots, and is widely regarded as the film's most iconic shot. Everybody's seen that. Oh, everybody knows. They use it still. Everybody. In, like, random shit. It even appeared on the cover of the most... Appeared on the cover of most VHS editions of the film. So, to give the aliens a slimy appearance, they uh, used lots and lots of that lovely KY jelly. Oh, yeah. Slap it on. Slap it on, Slappy. Slippy, slappy, sloopy. <laughs> it had to be applied to the alien prop several times during outdoor scenes. Oh, yeah. Because the intense heat in the Utah desert caused the jelly to evaporate in just a few minutes. Oh, so no. Just a desert full of evaporated lube. Oh, you wouldn't want to like butt stuff in that desert. What if, oh my gosh, what if the, enough lube was evaporated in the desert to create lube clouds? Oh, and then lube it rain. <laughs> lube rain. It's lube rain. rain. Oh, it's raining lube again. <laughs> <laughs> The smoky effect of the alien spacecraft as it moves into position above New York City starts about 24 minutes and 22 seconds into the movie. Was created by a double exposure on film. The effect comes from recording water in a tank turning murky after a clod of dirt was dropped into it. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's, it's my favorite special effect in the movie. Yeah, it's really cool. So how was this film received? Did the public love it? Did they hate it? Oh, jeez. Did they boo? Did they hiss? Did they cheer? Well, Lebanon almost banned it, as well as other uh, <gasps> Middle Eastern countries. What a bunch of hooey. Why? Well, they didn't like that it uh, had a positive light on people like, you know, uh, Jews, gays, uh, alcoholic scientists, and, you know, residents of Los Angeles. Oh, whoa! You know? Throwing some shade there. It was pretty revolutionary to, to have a positive light on those type of people. All these flavors, and <laughs> Lebanon chooses to be salty. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, It did. uh, You could go ahead. Oh, well, most were excited to see the film. Spanish ads created a bit of a War of the Worlds type panic. Yeah, even though it had at the bottom, it said, this is an advertisement. (laughs) The image of ships, uh, you know, over New York and Washington, people still were scared in Spain. I don't know. Ah. No, just running in the street. Like, you went to the movies. They don't play news in the movies anymore. Um, It did end up making a lot of money, though. This is one of the highest grossing movies. Um, Second to only Jurassic Park. Well, nothing can be better than Jurassic Park. Highest in in the year it came out, though. Yeah. So, this movie was mentioned by an infamous serial killer, Eileen Warnos. Ah! <laughs> what was that? That's just what she looks like. Oh, she looks like that. She looks like that sound. Oh, I have to agree. <laughs> so just before her execution on six counts of murder, murder, reportedly her last words before receiving a lethal injection were, 
I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the rock. I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Eileen Wernos. I don't think it came out June 6th, though. Well, you know, maybe it came out at the <laughs> cinema in the jail June 6th. Oh, and Roger Ebert called it unimaginative. Well, fuck you, Ebert! Yeah, what the fuck, man? This is a great movie. What do you like? Fucking Bridges of Madison County or some turd? We should have a shirt that says, Well, fuck you, Ebert. Well, that's our Independence Day. And, well, hell, it sure was independent. Yeah, it was real. (laughs) And uh, we also took some questions from some of our folks. Oh, give me those cues. Give them. Give me those BBQs. And, of course, our good buddies, Home Video Hustle, had to chime in. Oh, what did Um, they say? They asked us, have we ever seen the sequel to Independence Day? Yes. And uh, we have seen the sequel. It was bad. I was actually excited to see the sequel. Um, no, we didn't see it for like a year. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> you were scared yeah. that it was going to be so bad. Yeah, I was kind of scared <laughs> when I first, about that and Jurassic World. I saw Jurassic World. Jurassic World was okay. Well, you were never going to miss Jurassic World. Yeah. But they came out around the same time. And I remember you absolutely were just like, oh, we don't have to see it right now. And just. It ended up being like a year later, and yeah. then we got it on Redbox. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was less than okay, I think. It was... There was moments where I think we had some laughs just because it was so silly. Yeah. And had some laughs because Jeff Goldblum's well, in it. Well, and Jeff Goldblum is great as always. And I love Bill Pullman. I gotta say Bill Pullman. We didn't talk about the actors, really, but Bill Pullman's a great uh, president. Yes. I think, uh, of course, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum's great. Uh, they did not bring back Will Smith. I don't know. Obviously, they probably wanted him, but they either couldn't afford him or he just had something else to do. Yeah. He probably was like, no thanks, I don't need to do this. But they really just, the story was really pretty crummy. <laughs> the story was very crummy. The uh, CGI was bad. Um, yeah. Which was disappointing. All of a sudden, we have spaceships. Yeah, I don't. I didn't like it. Yeah. I wouldn't say I liked it. I love the first one though. First one's great. But if you want something fun, I spent a dollar on it to see it. I was. I'm not mad. I spent the dollar. Yeah. Or it's a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> or free, especially if it's free. <laughs> the Spotted Geek Podcast. They made us watch Jurassic Park three. Uh... They actually actually have a good question though. Is there a better speech in cinema than Bill Pullman's in Independence Day? Um, I so, Someone else commented and said, uh, uh, one of our other friends, Pastor Z, he always talks about Godzilla and other kaiju. <laughs> um, he said Robert Shaw's in Jaws is really good when he talks about it doesn't, when they bite you, doesn't, it doesn't look like they're living. <laughs> <laughs> Like a doze. Like a doze. Um, I like the raptor claw one in Jurassic yeah, Park. That's the one I was going to say, the raptor, little raptor monologue there. I think um, that this is 
one of the top ones out of mm-hmm. those speeches. Yeah. I don't want to give it the top because I know the second <laughs> I'm done recording this podcast, I'm going to be like, oh, fuck, I forgot yeah, that one. That's what I'm but afraid I'm gonna, of. But I'm going to tell you that this is one of the best. That's my. That's what I'm afraid of, though, too. Once I say, yep, that's... I I, I think uh, Robert Shaw's and Jaws is better, though. This is a mumbling man. Yeah, but it's it's like so scary. <laughs> <laughs> this one's this one's just from this one's from Steve and everything I learned from movies. Um, this one's just about us. What are the three best things about our vacation? Oh well. That's a hard one. Uh, <sighs> we will have to pause recording. The three, <laughs> the three best things. Number one, all of the memories I got to make with Jarrett. <laughs> Number two, all of the beautiful trees that I got to see in Oregon and Seattle. And mm-hmm. three, all of the really delicious food I got to eat and gain six pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jarrett? I can't say that those three are not in my list, so... I have to say those three. The Museum of Pop Culture Museum. Oh, that is for sure one of my favorite. That and the Pinball Museum, the Peculiarium. That was really cool. Yeah. And whale watching. Those were like my favorite things that we did. You can't have more. You can't have more. Well, I'm just saying. Oh, it's so hard. Our vacation was amazing. My second one. Shh. (laughs) My second one is whale watching. Thanks for reminding me. And my third one is all those killer handbrake turns in that rental car, though. It scared me every time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he tried to sell me like $500 of insurance on there, and I didn't do it. Because fuck that. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. He was you, so pushy. You will have to uh, pay $25,000 out of your own pocket. No! Get out of my life! <laughs> Get out of here, fucker. <laughs> All right. <laughs> fuck thrifty car rentals. Fuck thrifty car rentals. You tweet at him. Say, come at me! Yes, so that's our questions. Yeah. That was really nice. If you have any questions for us anytime. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more. Um, Pilots and Petards podcast. I think that's saying it right. Pilots and Petards. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, said, have you guys ever seen the alternate ending where he drives the crop duster at the... I have not seen it, but I, Jarrett told me about it when we were watching the movie. I specifically waited until now. So I'm going to show it to her right now. So, oh. wait. Uh, I'm going to cut right now and you can hear her reaction right now. So, yeah, what did you think of that? <laughs> that is very silly. But I, I agree with the com- the commentators. Yeah. Whoever they may be. Yeah, we watched, um, the, com- we watched the commentary version. But uh, that it kind of takes away some of the emotional impact. Yeah, he shows up in a as a uh, suicide mission instead of it, the the missile becoming jammed and then he become he does a suicide mission. Yeah, and then he decides. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if 
Randy Quaid actually does that into the 20th Century Fox building one day. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be surprised either. That man is insane. <laughs> Check out his Twitter and his YouTube. It's pretty funny. Check out his YouTube if you want to watch him have sex with his wife with a oh. Nixon mask on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our take on Independence Day. Thank you for your questions, and thank you for uh, everything. Really. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for being around town. Also, also I have a special shirt coming out I designed yeah. for this movie. It's so cool. I'm going to buy it. Um, it's really funny. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. It will probably come out the day before this episode, maybe the day this episode comes out. But you'll you'll see uh, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, everything. It, you'll see it on there. So yeah, we will have an underground coming out of the week after this, and then another blockbuster for June. Yep, we yep, yep, yep. hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the other side. And we are back to praise Godzilla. We're praising Godzilla. We're here to praise. We're praising him. We're praising Godzilla. Baby. Praise Godzilla. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. See what movie's playing next at Sci-Fi Double Feature Drive-In on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, justaddthat.com. Catch us on Twitter at SFDFDI Podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed the movie. Thank you for joining us. As always, we're glad to have you. Please replace your speaker, dispense of all trash, and watch for children as you carefully exit our theater. Good night.